Quantum Rabbit, a Frankensound podcast. There's an old piece of moving picture film. It's very old. It's from the year 1907. It's a city street scene. It could be just about any small city in the world at that time. Late 19th century architecture, horse-drawn carts. But this is Perth, Australia. In the background of the picture, a lady crosses the street in a long white dress and summer hat. As the camera pans left, a group of men appear in the frame, most of them wearing hats and all looking towards you at the camera. Among these men, a little behind them, is another man in a dark suit. It's hard to make out the detail, but he's thin with olive or dark skin. He has dark hair. And unlike most men in the picture, he's not wearing a hat. As the camera moves across, he raises a hand to cover his right eye and begins to walk backwards. The camera continues to pan across and there's shops in the background. Wilson Gray & Co, Wiseman's, Alexandra Tea Depot. As the man walking backwards passes out of the frame, more men appear, more serious looking not walking backwards, but eyeing straight down the lens with a bit of amusement. That's it. That's, that all it? You, that's all you get for now, yeah. I had a chat to Mr Shade on CastBox Livecast recently and sounded out a bit of the idea for this episode. What's the, what's the mystery of the guy walking backwards with his hand over his eye? Well, this is what I want to explore. Oh, I do think- you know the answer or...? You're just keeping everyone on the, 10 yeah, No, well, there's there's some theories. I've got my own theories about it. Um, the lady I spoke to today oh. had, yeah. had a couple of theories. Um, What's well, anything to do with the Masons? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so. That maybe oh, is another oh. theory that, that could work. Oh. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, good. Oh, I'd, 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 um, I'd develop that one. That film was shot by Leonard. He was the only son of Albert and Sarah Corrick. They were both music teachers from New Zealand, and the family were travelling performers in the early 1900s of a style that we might describe today as variety performance. Leonard also had seven sisters, and as a family they toured all over the world. They were accomplished musicians. The parents played violin and sang. One of their daughters, Alice, was described as a dramatic soprano, a voice worth walking 20 miles to hear. Ruby played the cornet, Amy, flute and piccolo. It's hard to know what Gertrude, Ethel, Jesse and Elsie actually did, but apparently they were talented, refined and elegant. Meanwhile, Leonard must have felt a bit alone from time to time as the only son. He played the clarinet and he liked films. The Corrick show had a bit of everything. Music, dance, comedy, monologues, plus Leonard's films, which would soon become known as Leonard's Beautiful Pictures a major drawcard of the show. This film collection would eventually consist of about 130 films, and they were some of the most high-quality, innovative and unique films of the day. Some of the films, like the one I just described, they even shot themselves. But by the early 2000s, many of the films in the collection were the only surviving copies. The National Film and Sound Archive of Australia took on the task of restoring what was now known as the Corrick Collection. In an effort to find an answer to my question, why was the man walking backwards in the film, I spoke to the project manager of the restoration, Sally Jackson. 
I started work at the National Film and Sound Archive in 1991, and it was shortly after that that the Corrick collection became known to me, but I never really understood what it was. We all knew, most of us knew that it was special, but none of us really knew the history of it. And it was really from around about 2005 that we started to understand truly what it was. It was hundreds of little tiny fragments of old films, predominantly French. We didn't really know what they were, um, if you know, if they were entire films or whatever. We started to realise that this collection, once we put it all together and research was done to discover the original titles and where they were from and where they sat within each of the production houses, catalogues and libraries and that we really understood that the who the Corics were and what this collection actually meant. And the the really special thing about this collection is its uniqueness. Although the Corics themselves were not unique, they were a family of musicians and singers. Old nitrate films have a reputation for being highly combustible, especially as the stock starts to degrade. Meanwhile, the pictures themselves are said to kind of jump off the screen with colour and contrast in a way that other forms of projection can't quite deliver on even now. So the focus quickly became to restore these films and stop any further degradation. Because the Corrie collection was made up of black and white films, colour films, tinted films and stenciled films, we used our own lab, which does black and white, and we used Hager Film in Amsterdam, which at that time was the best laboratory for dealing with fragile, not colour nitrate. The first step at this point was to preserve the films as they were, make a one-to-one copy and stop further degradation. Some of the titles were hand-coloured and some of the films were coloured using a process called stenciling. Sally describes a little bit of how that worked on the original films. Predominantly women um, would be seated, one table would do reds, next table would do yellows, and they would just place the stencil over it and do those bits in. Mostly the registration of, of those stencils is excellent. And the colours, today, we would not be allowed to use those, you know, the chemicals that make up those colours. Maybe that's why they had a certain look about them, which, for a number of important reasons, is very difficult to imitate today. You know, you've got your cyanides, you've got your uranium, you've got all those those things that we can't use anymore, but which were commonplace. And yes, people did get sick and did die from doing that work. As fascinating as the film history is, there is a pressing subject still on my mind. Do you have any thoughts on this guy walking backwards? Well, I never really noticed him until you mentioned him, but truly I think he just wants to stay in shot so that he can be seen in the movies that night. Yeah. He also has that, does a funny thing. He raises a hand to his eye as he's walking backwards, and then he um, pull, takes yeah. it down. It's so strange. It is a little odd. If it wasn't for these films, we probably wouldn't even know about the Corrics today. You know, they might not have been breaking new ground with their vaudeville-style performances, but their use of technology to highlight and promote these performances is interesting. When the Corrics would come to town, they would distribute flyers to say that on a certain day, at a particular time, on a certain street corner, Leonard would be there with his moving picture camera. People would gather there to be seen, not just that day, but 
that same night on the big screen. The Corricks were shameless self-promoters and they were very aware of the fact that people wanting to see themselves would help put bums on seats. It's kind of like an early Instagram if you think about it. Anyway, they were travelling to different towns in Australia with a lot of equipment, not just costumes and instruments and props, but gear, cameras, film projectors. And in country towns with no power, Leonard would bring along his rather bulky electric dynamo to generate electricity, which some of the towns hadn't even had access to before. It would be used to power the projectors, including an early type of slide projector called a magic lantern. This would often be used to project a very well-lit backdrop during performances. The way the films were presented included running some reels in reverse to show audiences this strange, comical effect of time seemingly running backwards. Even back in the 1890s, the big deal was running the films backwards. Back in 1896, the audiences loved it and they wanted to see it over and over again. So they were already doing that. Maybe this guy walking backwards in the film was thinking maybe they'll play it backwards in the cinema tonight and I'm going to see myself walking forwards. Yes, maybe. Well, there's one theory. But I'm starting to realise that these short films from all over the world were being mixed and mashed in a way that didn't really resemble a film experience as we might see it today. I can almost visualise it as more of a live multimedia event, mixing performance and technology in a way that maybe kind of drifted out of fashion for a while and didn't come back until a hundred years later with small, portable, digital projectors. What the Corks were doing with that was common. It wasn't the first time it happened. Street scenes in Perth, as far as my knowledge goes, um, the only one of those that were shot in Perth to have survived. I'm still not 100% sure why the guy was walking backwards in the movie, but... There's another piece of film shot in Perth which shows a scuffle breaking out in the street. It's a few guys that start pushing and shoving each other kind of spontaneously out of nowhere for no apparent reason. The fight was actually with people who were part of the Corrick show. Oh, they were in the show. The Corrick the set up the fight, yeah. You know this for a fact. Well, yeah. It was as factual as you can be. I know it for a fact because you can match the photos. The guy who, the little guy with the hat, the store boater, was actually the guy who was the comedian in the show. Uh, he ended up marrying one of the correct girls, I think. Um, oh, so, so they weren't so, yeah. they were travelling with other members that weren't just in the family then. Oh yes, yes, they had um, yeah a small company of people, not just the family. A few of the films were shot in Perth, but the one we're talking about was the 1907 street scenes of Perth. The, the three ladies who walk across the road in street scenes of Perth and then turn to look at the camera, that's three of the Corrick girls. Oh, so oh, the lady at the beginning of that... Um, I'm not no, sure. it's kind of in the middle. It's just after the man who walks backwards. Just after that, is that right? Yes. So maybe, maybe he actually, now, maybe he's part of that. Maybe he sees them coming. And knows who they are. Maybe he's a... Could he be one of the performers? Well, he could be. It's He looks unusual because he's not wearing a hat for a start. And everyone else is wearing a hat. Oh, okay. Well, I think I'm thinking of somebody else. Okay, so that was a bit of a dead end. 
there was a, a number of people making these street scenes. And, um, As in other companies or other filmmakers? Yes, that yes other to companies. The, the Corrects weren't unique in combining film and live performance. What's unique about the Correct collection, and it's unique in the world, is that it's almost the complete library of their films, their catalogue of films. It's one of the rarest things to have survived in, in terms of cinema history. And that, that's what makes it so special. I can understand why the collection is so special, but I still can't shake my fascination for the man walking backwards, covering his eye. What's he doing? Certain little small things from some of these old films just capture you and you just get stuck yes. wondering yes. about that yes. particular person. I'm sure you must have had that experience yes, as you're going through. I do, I do. <laughs> there's 138 films and I, I don't remember all of them all the time. But there's one which is always stuck in my head. It's called um, Winter's Straw Rye and it's somewhere in, in America and it's all tinted ice blue. It's uh, young women and they get on to horse and cart. The carts are full of straw and they go out into the snow and it's the joy on their faces. It's about 1911 so you know they know what's going on. But it's just their joy at doing this. The cart falls over, they all fall out. They're having a whale of a time. I mean, really, they are. And it's so different to how we think of people from that period, you know. And then they meet up with the cart of sports and they have a snow fight. And those girls are mean, let me tell you. <laughs> they get those boys running. Um, but it's really, it's just, it's just that, those kinds of actuality films, even though they're set up, um, it's just that you see people like as if they are, as if it's ourselves. And I'm just, I love that. You know, there's no, there's no real artifice in the way that there is today. Um, people are just, you know, having fun and running in the snow and falling over and being mean. But laughing, I love it. I love it. Truthfully, it's hard to imagine that we'll ever know the definitive reason why the man was walking backwards. But before we finish up, here's one last thought. Maybe he didn't want to be seen for some reason, and raising his hand was an attempt to hide his face. Given his looks, which are hard to decipher, um, the thought occurred to me that he could be an Aboriginal Australian man and maybe there were cultural reasons for not wanting to be captured by the camera. Or maybe that's extrapolating a little bit too much. Whoever he is, or was, it's cool that a few reverse footsteps made over a hundred years ago have now had a direct effect on the physical structure of your brain in the present day, just by hearing this podcast. Thanks for listening. Also thanks to Sally Jackson for taking the time to talk. Mr. Shade for the conversation on CastBox Livecast and the Australian National Film and Sound Archive for the wealth of information about the Corex and their amazing nitrate film collection. Their website is included in the show notes. Also a link to a trailer titled The Marvellous Corex, which shows a great selection of highlights from the archive, along with the link to the video of the movie that features the man walking backwards, which is at about five seconds. Doesn't go for long. Blink and you'll miss it. If you've got any other theories, let me know.